Welcome to the Jackie Service Show. I'm Jackie Service, where we are talking all things people strategy, entrepreneurship, and how hiring the right humans will unlock the next phase of growth in your business. As a former corporate VP of HR, my life completely shifted when I learned I had a brain tumor. From this moment forward, I knew that there was more. I dove headfirst into healing, mindset work, and spirituality. And from this space, my entrepreneur journey was born. Now I am a people strategist and founder of Serve Recruitment Agency, a boutique recruitment firm that helps scaling companies hire aligned leaders for growth. In this podcast, I'm going to share about my business journey, entrepreneurship, leadership, and how hiring the right humans unlocks massive potential. Welcome to the show. Are you confused about hiring? You're not alone. Majority of leaders struggle to figure out who they need, in what roles, and when, and how these people will have the greatest impact on the growth of their business. This is why we created People Strategy Sessions to do a deep dive into your business and help you build a clear roadmap on the talent you need to drive sustainable growth. We dive into your greater why, where you are today in your business, where you want to go in your business from a growth standpoint, and ultimately, who do you need to enable that growth overall? For more information, please send an email to Jackie at JackieService.com or feel free to reach out at JackieService across all platforms. Welcome back to another episode of the Jackie Service Show. I'm excited to dive into this one. Uh, I have Mike Brown here, who's a relatively new friend. We've met in a elite mastermind group that Dan Martell puts on. And I'm so honored and excited to have you today and just have a conversation about what's going on in the world and your world and all things money. Yeah. Hey, I, uh, I appreciate being here. I appreciate you having me on and really excited to dive deeper. Love it. Love it. Before we dive into your story, which we're, we're going to start with, I do love to do a rapid fire just to get people warmed up, get people to know you a little bit better. And, uh, and then we'll dive into some, some more heavy lifting questions as we go. Let's do it. Send it. Amazing. Where are you from? Where were you born and raised? Uh, so I was born and raised in Midland, Texas, uh, which is out of the middle of nowhere, flat, hot, and windy. Uh, but that becomes important later in the story because it's the oil and gas capital of uh, North America, if not the world. Yeah. Okay. Whereabouts is it located? Are we West Texas or? <laughs> yeah. Far, far West Texas, uh, five hours from the middle of nowhere. Okay. So literally the middle of nowhere. I love it. I love it. And where's home now? Where have you landed? I am in Denver, Colorado. Uh, we just built a beautiful house uh, a year ago on the west side of Denver in Morrison, uh, right in the shadow of Red Rocks. So love where I live. Incredible. What a difference in landscape from childhood to, to adulthood. Yeah, I am not from Colorado, but I got here as fast as I could. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's actually a state I have spent little time in. I did a lot of travel across the state and everyone keeps telling me to get to Denver. So I do have a couple of clients that way in Fort Collins. So just North of the city there and need to get out that way. Yeah. Come on. We got a great space for hosting and uh, I, I chose to live here over anywhere on the planet. So I, uh, I love showing people my home. It's amazing. I love it. I'll take you up on that. I'll show up and, and get come a, on. get a scenic tour from you. <laughs> 
All right. In your journey of building businesses, what's one book that you tend to recommend to everyone? Uh, well, my most gifted book is not a business book, but mm. I think it is, uh, for me, just the most pivotal book that I've ever read called when things fall apart by Pema Chodron. Uh, she is a Buddhist monk and just a fantastic writer. And, uh, the subtitle is hard advice for difficult times, but I actually find it to be just a very grounding, uh, incredibly useful mental model for how to live in general. Uh, so that's my most gifted book. And uh, I, yeah, any anything from tough times to business, I think you can find what you're looking for. Uh, I read it every morning with coffee mm. and uh, yeah, several times a year. I love, I love the books that you go back to and you get a new lesson out every time you read it. I have a few on my, on my book list that I go back to every year and they're just the first of the year, the ones I pick up uh, before I get to anything else, this one's going to be added to the list. So I'm going to get that in the Amazon cart tonight and and get it sent. Amazing. Yeah. I, uh, it's one of those things like sometimes I'll just read one page and have to like mm-hmm. stare at it and really process like the depth mm-hmm. of, of what she's saying. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those. Mm, beautiful. Thank you for the recommendation. One I haven't yeah, read, yours? which is really nice. Um, I have, there's a couple that, that I go back to time and time again. So, um, uh, untethered soul by Michael Singer. So I'll go back to that a lot, which is all about this inner roommate in between our, in between our ears and really start to untangle that. Um, and then there's, there's one that's, uh, Marianne Williamson one, um, return to love. And it really does just, again, come back to some of the fundamentals of, what is a miracle? How do we shift perspective? How can we start to see things through different lenses? And that's what I take away from it every year. But when I go back to those two books, every year I see something different because of my evolution as a human. It's really incredible to read the same book, the same words and see something completely different. I love that. I have not shockingly ever read anything by Marianne Williamson. And she has been coming in my orbit a ton lately from from people that I respect. So now I've got one for my list. There we go. I'll send it to you. Use some of your address after and I'll get that book in your hands. Amazing. Beautiful. All right. A mentor that's poured into you that really was pivotal at a pivotal moment in your life that unlocked the next level for you, business life, anything included. Uh, I, I've had so many and uh, several people in the oil and gas world really shaped uh, who I was and 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 what I learned uh, during those years, but I've got to say right now, and this is, it's so much fun to have friends that I can also call mentors, but, but Dan, uh, the reason we know each other, Dan Martell has just been really pivotal in my life over the last year. And, uh, it started with a, so he's my snowboarding buddy. We go, we go to his snowboarding trip every year. And, uh, in January, he just, he had a really tough talk with me and, and challenged some foundational beliefs that really shifted my trajectory. And so I, I'm deeply and eternally grateful for having friends that force you to level up and mm-hmm. hold up the mirror and have hard conversations. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm deeply grateful for him and, and love learning from him. And, uh, yeah, it's been a really, really cool relationship. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. I wasn't sure how you had come into Dan's world and, um, my experiences, I was friends with his wife for many years and we did a lot of women entrepreneur groups, Canadian women, et cetera, that 
you know, it was funny. We would often meet up in the U S and we kept thinking like, why are we having to go to the U S to find really epic humans when there's these, these incredible women in Canada. So we started to kind of co-create some different work together. And I watched Dan. I loved what he was saying. I had so much uh, passion for his philosophy, especially around people and how he builds teams and leadership thinking, et cetera, which is hundred percent my jam. But the first time I spent some time in a room with him was in April. I did a VIP day out in Kelowna with him. My husband and I flew out there and, and spent some time with, he, uh, with both Dan and Renee. And to your point, there is just a different level of energy in which he shows up into a room in. It, it forces you to level up in both kind of your frequency, your, your level of thinking, the words in which we say to ourselves. And that's to everybody who's asked me about being in this group. And really to be in this group was just to stay connected to Dan, to hear his, to be in his energy and his orbit a little bit more frequently. The standard of life is different when you're in his energy. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's just so important for us to, as entrepreneurs, uh, have a group of people that, uh, I, I love this, this phrase from Annie Duke called truth seekers, basically, mm. you know, four or five people around you that are going to ask really hard questions and, you know, force you to take a look at yourself and you show up to with that same energy and you just help each other level up. I think it's, it's so critical. And, for anybody out there listening, if you don't have that, like, I think that's the most pivotal piece uh, for me that that has changed more than anything over the last five years is getting a group that really helps me level up and ask hard questions. Mm. I'm curious if one comes to mind, is there a hard question that have, has been asked of you, whether it's that conversation with Dan or in the last year that stopped you in your tracks where you had to really take some time to reflect and go inward. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I'm, I can't remember exactly how he put it, but it was basically like, when are you going to quit playing small and, and show up in the world and, and share your message because it's important. And, uh, you know, yeah, it definitely stopped me in my tracks and, and I mm -hmm. hadn't really considered that I was playing small. I had a, a ton of excuses why I didn't want to be on social media and why I wanted to play behind the scenes and how I didn't want to build another company again. And all of these things that made a whole lot of sense for someone who was post-exit. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I, when I shook those core beliefs, I realized that I could build another very large company intentionally and show up bigger and impact more people. And yeah, so, so that's one of my favorite questions. My other very favorite coaching question that I, I just love is what's the one thing you know you need to be doing and why haven't you done it? And it yeah. should be just like a rapid fire. Like what's that thing that just hangs around on your to-do list and then uh -huh. what's keeping you from doing it? Oh, I love that. <laughs> like there was almost what's an immediate. Your one, what's your one thing? Well, my one thing is very similar to yours. Like I feel like I've been, I feel like there's been a subconscious fear of success. And I think that that comes back to my story in a lot of ways of I had success, had a pivotal moment in my life with my health, which then led me to say like, hey, I don't want to go and do a similar thing on a similar path without realizing that I could co-create it in a completely different way. I could build it in a completely different way. I could bring these new uh, philosophies, beliefs, perspectives into how I'm building it today. 
And why can't I go back into the world of people, which is the world I came from in corporate and recreate, frankly, the shit I hated in corporate and recreate it in a different way to help empower entrepreneurs and founders. But for me, it's the fear of, of, of success, which I actually didn't realize was fully there until I had one of those kind of stop you in your track moments with a coach myself. It's, it's amazing uh, the things that we will create to keep us safe. Yeah. You know, for me, it was realizing that, you know, basically I had lived this entire life, uh, you know, my, my, my deepest story uh, from my upbringing, you know, my parents were great, but my mom was, was really hard on us. There was five of us and I created a story that achievement equals love. So if you wanted mm-hmm. to get attention at the dinner table, like you, you needed to be getting an A on a test or winning swim meets or, or whatever it was. And so I, I, you know, that sent me, and by the way, for a, for a core wound, that's a really good one if you want to be successful. So it, it allowed me to create companies and, you know, I, I was a fighter pilot and, and went to combat and like, I did all of the things I was supposed to do. And then all of a sudden woke up and was like, whoa, like, I thought this was going to fill me up. I did all the things everyone told me to. I, I found success in business. I bought the house, the cars, like did all of the stuff I was supposed to do. And that didn't work. Like now what? which kind of went, sent me on this like whole five year, what does it all mean journey on the backside of that? Uh, you know, I realized that I was, I was creating from a place of lack to fill up a hole that I was the only person that could fill up. And in healing that, what I actually created on the backside was this idea that if I crave success or want to achieve anymore, then I haven't learned my lesson. So mm-hmm. I was keeping myself small because I didn't want to repeat the mistakes of the past without, like you said, realizing that I can actually create from a place of abundance and, and pure love and joy. And it, it's, it's been incredible because now I leap out of bed to work. Like I, I love what I do so much. I love the clients and the people that I get to serve and, and the problems that I get to solve. Like it's so much fun. I had no idea business could be this much fun because that's not the space I was creating from. before. So it's, it's a completely different experience than it was. I love this. Gosh, our stories, there's so many parallels to our stories around expectation setting. I have these moments in time where I can go back. So I was a swimmer. So I swam for Canada at a very high level. And um, I remember being eight years old and walking down the hallway after a swim meet where, you know, there's these moments where like all of a sudden, frankly, I got good. It was like, oh, she knows how to race. She knows how to win. And and getting accolades from not just my parents, but other people and realizing like, oh, I just need to perform to gain love. Yes, And that became a very deep uh, story that is, is a one that is a foundation to a lot of where my success came from and also was the Achilles heel that took me out from a, from frankly, a brain tumor that Thankfully, we're now healed from just learning a lot about myself during that during that time. But it became everyone else's perspective of who I was and the success I was having was how I felt love versus, again, to your point, the internal wounds that I was creating and the internal love I had to find within myself for myself. So I love your story. Thank you for sharing. 100%. And look, like I said, for a core wound, that's a super useful one. (laughs) Right. Like, listen, there were some good things I gained out of it. You know, we always talk about like, okay, great. What are you gaining from that wound? It's like, there was a lot of good things that came out of that wounding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And 
you know, the other thing I, I think is really important is that I don't think it would be possible to create from the place that I get to now without going through all of that. Absolutely. So I, I think one of the, the disservices we do for young people, especially is, is tell them like, follow your passion right out of college. Because like, I wouldn't have known that wealth coaching is my path, my passion. I, I couldn't have found this career until I went through building a company and selling it and then almost losing everything. And like, I had to go through a lot mm -hmm. of journey to now be able to create from this completely different place. But I couldn't have done that when I'm 25. And like telling mm -hmm. people that right out of college, you can create this incredible life, I think is really, like I said, I, I think it, it, it kind of, uh, glosses over the fact that, you know, you need part of that journey. So, so what I tell people is, Hey, go out and invest in yourself and build a skill that makes money that's in demand. And like, you can find passion in, in honing your craft and someday that will serve you really well to build something that, you know, is your passion, but, but trying to have people do that, like right from the get-go, I think is just is wildly inappropriate. I mean, beautiful advice. I think there's a lot of what you're saying and, you know, I'm raising six-year-old twins right now and just seeing how their little brains are turning on to the conditioning of life and, and what's out there. And I think a lot about that around, you know, the success I'm experiencing now is directly correlated to the lived experiences I've had. And those lived experiences I've had, a lot of the time spent my face was in the mud and I was in a dark soul of the night kind of experience. And I had to learn and grow and find resilience and work my way through really difficult, tough times. And right. today, like I look back on it as, as I'm feeling you are as well. And it's like, I have so much gratitude for those moments because they made me who I am today. There's a piece of that that has created the skills I can bring today to the table, which I wouldn't have had if it was all, you know, gold medals and bright, bright gold stars. Yeah, I, I think though one of the things uh, that we get wrong about gratitude is because you know there's there's so much out there mm -hmm. uh, good advice about gratitude now, but I think we try and rush gratitude, and I think that uh, mm -hmm. you know, we, in 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 kind of the business of coaching, it's known as spiritual bypassing. Like you have to sometimes feel the pain, and and so like when I was was you know in some of these tough situations. There would be a part of me that's like, okay, I know the answer is gratitude. Like, let's just get to gratitude. It's like, no, no, you've got to go through it. You've got to feel the lessons. You've got to learn the, le the lessons. And then only on the backside can I actually have gratitude when I'm living into the version of myself that gets to integrate those lessons. And what I tell people all the time is you can be really grateful for the lessons, but you don't have to be grateful for the pain. Right? So like, I'm, yeah. I'm not grateful that hard shit happened to me. I'm really grateful for who I became as a result of that. I love that. Thank you for that. I think that's a good anchoring moment as we think about um it, it's something that I've I've spent some time on of how quickly I could skip over the hardships. And you know, I, I did an entire podcast about the darkness and just what it felt like to live in the darkness. And honestly, if I think back to it, some of my most beautiful relationships came out of the darkness because I was connecting with another human that was also in their own darkness. And we were able to be raw and vulnerable and open and truthful about what, what we were going through. And those hardships, you and I, this is, this is such a high level parallel, but it's like doing hard things with people is actually what connects you at a deep core level. And that's inclusive of me jumping in a 30 degree freezing lake. It's the relationships of which I've done the harder things with 
have actually bonded me in a deeper way that is beyond words. It really is. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's, uh, you know, I think why the military creates such deep relationships with people. You know, my, my co-founder at my first company was a guy, mm-hmm. uh, Jay, that I, I flew missions in Iraq with. And like, we were like, wow, we worked so well together in combat. We should probably found a company together. Uh, and that was just an incredible uh, time and, and relationship based on the fact that we used to laugh, like there's no emergencies in business. Like we're never getting shot at, uh, Mm -hmm. sitting like if the deal doesn't close by three o'clock on Friday, like that's okay. We can just pick it up on Monday. Uh, and, and so like, yeah, when you, when you've been through those kind of things with someone, I I think it really does change the way that you guys look at the world together. Mm, It's beautiful. We've heard a lot about, there's been core elements of your story that have actually come through just us openly chatting, I'm curious to get a little bit more of a sense of that path and whether it's in a few minute time frame or however long we want to dive in here. But there's so many key pivotal moments I'm I'm sensing into that has shaped what we do today. So I don't want to bypass over that. I want to give you a chance to just talk a little bit about that story of how we got here. I know. I lo- like when when you talk about having good conversations, it's so fun. Like here we are like 25 minutes into recording and be like, Hey, why don't you actually tell us who you are at this point? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Who is Mike Brown and why is he here again? (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you know, my story is I grew up in Midland, Texas, which I, which I talked about earlier. Uh, I served in the Navy. I was a fighter pilot. I, uh, was in combat in 2007, 2008 flying missions off the USS Truman into Iraq. Uh, I got out of the Navy in 2012 and, uh, moved back to my hometown. Uh, I, I worked for, uh, a family friend and, uh, my uncle, uh, who was my, my first mentor, uh, and he and his business partner taught me a ton. Uh, I founded my own company about 18 months later with my business partner, Jay. And, uh, one of the things that, uh, they told me when I was, when I was leaving the Navy is like, come work in oil and gas. It's the best time in the history of oil and gas to be in this industry. And they were right. Uh, Mm. We founded Palmaris Energy in 2013 and uh, subsequently sold that company in in 2019 and uh, were low eight figures and completely changed my life. And it was, it was incredible, uh, you know, building a company with one of my best friends and uh, you know, having that kind of uh, you know, overnight success. But, uh, as we all know, there's, there's a long road to overnight success. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, you know, that's really when the work started is after selling my company, uh, I was, I was business coaching and, um, you know, really kind of living this semi-retired, like amazing life. And I was rapidly deploying all of the capital that I had, uh, accumulated from, from the sale of my business. And I ended up buying a distressed e-commerce company with this idea that I would turn it around in like 12 months and and three to five X my money. And it was, turns out it's really hard to turn around a company and, uh, you know, business is a flywheel and it's really hard to turn that flywheel around in the other direction Mm -hmm. and get it spinning again. And, you know, so two years after I sold my company and I thought I would never be unhappy again, I'm waking up more stressed out, full of anxiety. Like there are days I don't even want to get out of bed because I don't want to face the day and kind of went to this place of like, how did I get here? Like, how does this happen? Mm-hmm. And I realized that, you know, I was, uh, I was really good at investing and, uh, and building 
companies and I did that for my business, but I wasn't applying those, those same principles to my own financial life. And so I went on a deep dive of why and, and hired coaches and therapists and read books and, and, you know, basically put together uh, a whole framework for making better decisions with our money. And so that's what I teach people now. Oh, I love it. And there's such a need for that. And again, you think about stacking all the different life experiences that you've had that brought you here to be in a position now to share your gift with the world. And the ripple of that is far beyond probably what you even know at this point, which is really incredible. So who do you work with today? Like when you say helping people make better financial decisions, help them rewire their belief systems around wealth, like who is it that you're calling in and, and really working with today? Yeah. So, uh, my company's called unbreakable wealth and, uh, I have private coaching clients, uh, retreats and am now launching an online group, uh, to be able to uh, help more people, uh, more quickly because I, I love retreats. It's an incredible environment, but it's just hard to, hard to scale, uh, and, and get people here and sell them on travel and all of that. So it just kind of makes sense for the next phase to, to bring that program online. But it's basically for anybody, um, and not just entrepreneurs, but anybody who is a high earner. So, you know, executives, athletes, basically, you know, once you kind of pass that 250, 300 K mark and you have excess, you're not living paycheck to paycheck, you have excess that you are doing some kind of investing with and basically crossing that like million or $2 million net worth mark. Like that's okay. when these strategies can really start to help. Uh, and, and, and that's anybody up to, you know, I also have a program where I work with people who are about to sell or have just sold uh, their companies and go through a lot of the parts, you know, not just from a financial perspective, but there is a huge emotional uh, portion when you sell a company. You know, this is something that you have grown. It's been your baby for many years. You kind of go through this, like, who am I without this company and who am I, you know, without the work? Uh, and so combining those two things is something that I, I, I love helping people kind of navigate that process. I love that. Let's actually, I, I want to pull on the one thread that is part of your story, which is, Hey, I sold a company, had a significant amount of capital reinvested and deployed it into something that didn't work, or it wasn't the thing that became successful when people come to you and they're making decisions around where to invest excess cash. What are some of the frameworks, principles, philosophies that you're giving them that help them think through that decision for themselves? Yeah, number number one is you know best. And the whole financial industry, the full uh, financial education, wealth advisors, all of these people actually create this narrative that it's too complicated for you. So hand your money over to me because I'm going to make, I'm going to make money from the fees and I can do it because you need to set up trusts and LLCs and, and qualified small business stock and C corps. And it's just way too complicated for you to figure out. Right. And that's just simply not true. The most powerful wealth building strategy on the planet is rinse and repeat. So what I mean by that is finding something that you are really good at that makes money and doing the same thing over and over again, that would, that should be where the bulk of your money goes everything else that you take away from that should be to hedge risk in case mm. that strategy no longer works, you know, in case that business fails. Now I'm putting things into safety, but we don't actually teach people that we, we teach them. It has to be hard. It's very complicated and you should never try to do it yourself. 
Or we go to the full other side of the spectrum and go, hey, investing is impossible. So the only thing anybody should do is invest in the S&P 500 and dollar cost average for the rest of their life. I don't think either of those things are right. I think that entrepreneurs should use their wealth to create the life that they love and serve their values and that only they know the best way. So if you love real estate, great. Like let's focus on that, but focus on it like a primary business. Like you should, it shouldn't be a side hustle. It shouldn't be a hobby. If that's the thing that you want to invest your money mm -hmm. into, like treat it like a real business. I love that. Is there, in your opinion, is there a combo of active versus pa passive? Like when we think about actually taking people's financials and helping them think about where they're investing their funds, is that something that you do as well? Yeah. So uh, number one, I kind of despise the word passive because oh. uh, I think it's a complete myth. Like every investment requires some kind of management. Some are more hands-off than others, but you've got to be paying attention, mm -hmm. right? Um, so uh, what I talk about is rather than active versus passive is cash flow versus accumulation. So cash flowing asset might be like a rental property that you get a check every single month. Uh, accumulation is more like investing in the S and P that's going to grow and compound over time. And, you know, eventually the entire amount is going to be worth way more than what you started with. So having those two buckets, I think is really important. And again, it's for me, it, it all has to tie back to what is your desired outcome? Like, mm -hmm. what are you trying to do here? So do I want these more passive or cash flow investments to cover my expenses. Okay, great. Like let's focus on building a portfolio that does exactly that. You know, do, am I looking to continue in my primary business, whatever that is, and just create a safety net? Great. Okay. That's a different strategy, but one that's equally as valid. So there's no one size fits all approach. The first thing is what are your goals? What is your desired lifestyle? And what are your desired outcomes? Great. Let's tailor your financial plan to that. That's what I think is missing most, just from my own lived experience of having had different people come and go when it comes to the finances. So my husband and I are both in entrepreneurs. He runs a real estate development company. So his lane is real estate. My lane is people and all things executive hiring. So our worlds are different, but they actually can co-create very well together. And what we've really struggled with as entrepreneurs is to find somebody that's talking about the collective and the individual, and then how are we moving forward against our aspirations? It's something that I, I, I have found has been missing in every conversation. People want to get right to action as to where we should deploy our cash based on their perspective versus asking us, Hey, what kind of life are you creating? What kind of you know legacy do you want to leave your children? Whatever the bigger questions are that you might be asking it's really interesting that you pull that forward because we had a conversation about that six months ago of like, where do we go to have a conversation with somebody that will help us innately create a custom plan that works in our life? Well, and, that, and that's the thing. It doesn't have to be hard. So like once I understand what your values are and what yeah. outcomes you want to create, now there's probably only one or two things that I'm going to have you do. And all of a sudden I'm out of a job. Right. So, so that's why the finance industry uh, <laughs> doesn't actually do that because, because they have to, you know, basically create their own value by making it complicated and be like, oh, you need to be in all these different instruments and you need to be in all these different investments. And, uh, you know, really you probably only need to be like, if you have a commercial real estate portfolio or a real estate development portfolio and you have your business, like probably the only thing you other, else you need is a, you know, liquidity fund, some sort of probably stocks 
that you put cash into and like, there's your plan. Mm -hmm. There it is. Like not like you don't have to do anything else that's complicated, but you know, that doesn't sell a lot of services. So uh, you're not I'm like, when do we come to the retreat? What, what's the next date? <laughs> because yeah, totally. it's really helpful to have somebody be able to speak that language and think like an entrepreneur when it comes to money. Because I think to your point, there's so many uh, conditioned beliefs that are created in these different lines of business over decades and centuries of depth when it comes to how we use our money and where we use our money for. I'm actually curious in your perspective, from your perspective, what are some of those like deep cultural beliefs that we have as humans and maybe society has on a more broader term that are holding us back from living our most fulfilled and wealthy lives? Yeah. So this is, I think, one of the most important conversations you can have around money because you can't get to what should I do with my money until you start to unwind, like, why do I believe the things that I believe about money? So that's the conversation we have to have first. So I think it's incredibly important to understand like where our beliefs about money come from in the first place. And like, you know, just like we talked about earlier in the conversation, like how did we grow up in relation to money? How did our parents relate to money? And under really, really understanding where these, these thought processes come from. Uh, because the fact is, if information was all that we needed to become wealthy, there'd be a lot more rich people. Because there are a ton, there's tons, there's a wealth of information out there. None of us actually follow the things that we're supposed to do. And why is that? It's because there's some conscious patterns running in the background, keeping us from doing the, making the decisions that we know we need to make. So if I'm going to make better decisions around money, first of all, I need to, to unwind some of those subconscious beliefs. And like we talked about, those can be, you know, parental, those can be from childhood, but they can also be societal. So, so one of the biggest ones I like to talk about is work hard and you'll be successful. This is the greatest lie ever told because if hard work was the only thing we needed to be successful, there would be 7 billion rich people on this planet because there are so many people that engage in backbreaking labor every day. And it's so condescending when you hear a rich person go, oh yeah, if you just work hard, that's how you create success. And people go, I don't know, man, I'm working pretty hard and I don't feel very successful. So there's got to be something else, you know, in that equation that, that is more important than hard work. So, uh, you know, there's, there's risk, there's timing, there's working smarter, there's creating, uh, you know, your own way of doing things. Like all of those are more important than actual hard work. And then on the backside of that, when someone sells a company, you know, I, uh, I, I had a client who sold his company for, for like $350 million. It's a very well-known company that, that everyone would know. And we were having a conversation. He's like, yeah, but you know, it's really important to me to still show up to work every day and like show my kids that I'm working. And I'm thinking like, man, you just sold your company for $350 million. Like you knocked it out of the park. You, you nailed the American dream and you are tied to your desk because you don't want your kids to see you being lazy. Like you should show your kids that like, hey, if you work really hard and, 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 crush it like I did. Now I can spend all of my time at home with you. Like that's, that's the dream that I want to create for my kids. Mm. So we, we have these stories that are so ingrained that we can't even enjoy the success that we create for ourselves. It's, it, oh, I love this conversation because there's so much of it that I'm like in and, or have thought about. And it's, it's so, you know, even just taking away the condition of what a corporate energy was when I came into entrepreneurship. So the lived beliefs of what hard work looked like and how many hours we had to be at the office. And, 
you know, I think back, I'm like, how many hours was I actually productive? And was I actually delivering value for somebody was probably 50% of my time. I was physically in an office. Hey, that's really good. (laughs) Maybe, maybe probably less. I was like two hours of good work a day. Right. And so that's the time that we have and becoming an entrepreneur, a big piece of why my husband and I left big corporate to start our own businesses was to create the life that we wanted to, for him to coach our kids sports, for us to be available and have breakfast with them, have dinner with them to create a lifestyle. And I have gotten so caught up in the last decade of that swinging the pendulum back and forth of like, why am I doing this in the first place? And we're making great money. Where am I investing it into creating the life I want to create? And I would agree with you that societally, like we're not having this conversation enough about what is the custom life you want to create. And that's one of the reasons I love Dan is because he's an example of somebody who, who is doing it for the life, right? He's creating this life that he wants to Yes, he's building epic businesses and he's creating a lifestyle that he never wants to retire from. Like that's the energy that I'd love to have more conversation around because it it's this pendulum swing I w- witness myself go into of I'm not working hard enough. Therefore, I need to grind a little harder. I need to put more hours in at what expense to the family and the life I'm trying to create. That's it. And 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 how can I use my wealth to create that life? Right. Like, I mean, that, that is the only purpose of, of creating wealth is to live the life of freedom that you desire. Right. And, and, uh, when I talk about wealth with my clients, the first thing we do is actually define what wealth is. And what's amazing, we always end up landing on some version of freedom and there's not even the, the word money doesn't even enter the conversation, right. But like freedom of time, freedom of relationships, freedom of health and freedom of mind. Like when I, when I was uh, the CEO of the, of the distressed company that I bought, I was wealthy. I was a multimillionaire on paper, but I didn't feel very free because I didn't even want to get out of bed in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. So that freedom of mind is so much more important than zeros in a bank account. So, so those are the things that we need to be optimizing. For. And yeah. for, for many of us, especially entrepreneurs, like you said, we get into this life to create a life of freedom. And then all of a sudden we look up 10 years later, later and, uh, you know, we're tied to our desk and we're, we're running ragged and we're stressed out and we've lost sight of the things that we started for in the first place. I think it's such a good reset and such a good foundational question to start with, to really anchor the energy of why are we doing what we're doing in the first place and how are we leveraging our wealth to enhance it and create a bigger ripple and more of it. You know, I mean, when we examine the question of happiness, like so many of us are unhappy because we actually have no idea what it is we want. We have, we have no, we never have the conversation of sitting down and going, Hey, what is it that I actually want to create here? And then let me design my life to optimize toward that. And, and hap- happiness in general is the wrong thing to op- optimize for. What we really want to optimize for is fulfillment because, because happiness uh, in, in the book that, uh, I recommended, uh, when things fall apart, she uses this amazing analogy of a rock in the sea and, uh, a rock sitting in the ocean. Sometimes the waves are big. Sometimes the waves are small, but the rock doesn't wish for the waves to be any different than they are. And happiness is one of those things that sometimes it's going to, it's going to come over us like big waves. 
Sometimes we're going to go through tough times. The only thing that we can count on is the fact that the wave, the wave sizes are going to change over our life. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really difficult to optimize for happiness. But what we, we can do is optimize for fulfillment. And now that's going to generate more of that happiness. That mm, such a beautiful, thank you for sharing that. I love that story. And there's such a visual for me, any, anywhere where I can be close to water, um, there's just such like a soul connection to, and I can literally see those waves being different chapters of my life, different stages of my life and, and how it does always evolve, right? The idea of impermanence, like nothing will stay the same. Everything will change. That's, that's a guarantee. And to think about fulfillment over happiness is, is one that I'll have to spend some time with pen to paper on. I love that. Yeah, I, I love mean, that. Look, this is like, like you said, like, this is all from lived experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, something that I, that I say often is that the day I sold my company, I thought I would never be unhappy again. Mm. And that's because that's what society tells us. Hey, if you just make enough money, if you just achieve enough success, if you just have a Forbes article written about you, you'll never be unhappy. And I'm here to tell you, friends, it's not true. It's a, it's a lie, right? Like these things are not going to fill up that hole inside of us. And so if that doesn't do it, then what's going to? And like, that's the mission that I'm on. That's the journey that, I, uh, that I'm on is like, hey, what can I actually do that's going to make me feel whole and complete and better? Because it's not building confidence. Yeah. To the, to the people that are listening, whether they're entrepreneurs in corporate seats, athletes, because there's, there's kind of all of those categories that would be tuning into this podcast. What advice do you have for them? Like, what is something that you wished somebody would have told you? earlier in your life that would have set you up for success when we think about creating unbreakable wealth? Probably the biggest thing that I wish someone had told me is that you don't have to optimize every dollar. Like it's okay to have a hundred grand or 200 grand or whatever it is that makes you feel safe, just sitting in a bank account. And there's this belief that like, oh no, inflation is eating my money. And I I've got to be doing all of these things. And there's a, there's so much FOMO in the investing world, but I wish I had just set aside more money just for me and my family and not worried about investing it. And so what I'd love to do right now is give everyone who's listening to this the permission to not optimize their financial life. Like you don't have to put every dollar to work. If you have a primary way of earning money, uh, that like, like a primary business, that is your vehicle for beating the market. So you don't need to go take those hard earned dollars and then go try and beat the market elsewhere. You can match the market by investing in the S&P, or you can lag the market by just putting it into a, a high interest savings account, or you can actually do nothing with it. Like all of those are viable strategies if you're using that wealth to serve your values like that we talked about. So that's the biggest thing I wish I knew is that like, I don't have to go chase outsized returns anymore. So good. Thank you for that. Taking it to heart. I'm taking that one to heart. I love that. Talk a little bit about Unbreakable Wealth. What is it? How can people get access to it? When's your next retreat? Because I feel like Brooks and I need to be there and hang out with you a little bit more. But talk yeah, to us about so, how people can work with you. Um, if you, uh, you can find me on Instagram at mbrown.co uh, and share a lot of these uh, stories and, and, and more there. Uh, my website is unbreakablewealth.co uh, or mbrown.co. Both of those will allow you to apply for the next cohort. Like I said, uh, I just hosted my fourth retreat. It was incredible. We are changing the whole process to bring uh, that curriculum online to just get more people access to it. So 
that's launching here in the next month or so. I couldn't be more excited about it. And uh, yeah, so retreats are on hold for now as we kind of launch that, but uh, they will, there will be plenty more in the future. Uh, but yeah, for now, everything's moving online. I love that. The amount of people you'll be able to impact by doing that is far greater. And the ripple effect is going to be far greater. There's so many of us. I speak to the collective here that need you and need your voice and need your fresh perspective in looking at money that is beyond what we've been taught and what has been in our history of what money is and how to make it work for us. Uh, well, I deeply appreciate it. And uh, I, I love this conversation, just like this, this shared perspective of, of you know, the achievement equals love pattern, I think is so deeply ingrained in so many entrepreneurs. And uh, I think it's a really important conversation to put out in the world. So I, uh, I appreciate you sharing your story as well. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And I do not think that this is going to be the last time you're on the show, because I think this one's going to be a hot topic of people wanting to know more and learn more. So when you do have um, Unbreakable Wealth out of the world on, on the internet, we'll make sure to have you back in and talk about it and how people can get access to that as well. But Mike, thank you so much for just pouring into us for holding space for me to even reframe a lot of my beliefs around wealth and really push the kind of initiative around thinking differently about creating unbreakable wealth. So I appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, Jackie. I had a great time. All right, guys, we'll see you again on the Jackie Service Show. Thank you for listening in to today's show. If there was a key message that landed with you, please share or send us a direct message on Instagram at Jackie Service and let us know. We love hearing from you. Also, to continue to keep this podcast growing, it would mean the world if you could take a minute and like and rate the show or share it with a friend. Our team is forever grateful. Until next time, we'll see you again on the Jackie Service Show.